Praise God. Good uh, afternoon, everybody. God is good. Then I'm at you. What I wanted to work on today is just massage some things into you. Have you ever taken a massage? You know, they kind of work that stuff in slowly. So just think of this as a therapy session. Just, just work with the Lord and uh, see where he ends up. I was working on this idea of God as our reward. Genesis chapter 15, God told Abraham, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield and your very great reward. Uh, meaning that God uh, is, not, is, is to be viewed um, as reward. And uh, the blessing is good. We thank God for the blessing. But sometimes we make the mistake of making the blessing our reward. And the blessing is not our reward. He is our reward. We make no mistake and no confusion. He is our reward. And because He is our reward, He is what we want. So I'm kind of working with that want and that desire because I think it's, it's maybe doesn't mean much to you, but it means a lot to Him. God really wants us. He's really into us. He really loves us. Make it personal. He really loves me. He really wants me. He's really after me. Yeah? Uh, and uh, so I'm just trying to uh, uh, pass that message on to somebody and make some announcements. We're making some, we're adding a, a few programs to our regular uh, programs just to make room for, for, for him and for what he wants to do and what he might have in store uh, for us. Last week we talked about uh, Adam and his nakedness when God came and said, where are you, Adam? He said, I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, 8 to 10. And um, uh, that hiding from the presence of God is the exact opposite of what God wants for each and every one of us. And just like Adam, there's many things that cause us to feel ashamed and feel uh, naked, um, uh, leaving us you know, with a sense of vulnerability that we are not truly able to be ourselves and truly able to be who he wants us to be. So today we're, we're just continuing pushing these ideas. And I would like to pick up in John chapter 4. Uh, I, I'm sticking with this woman. I like this woman. I like what Jesus did to this woman. And may what Jesus did to the woman, may he do to each one of us today. In Jesus' name. I think we're familiar with the story, but if... if uh, if for those who are not, Jesus came to the well in Samaria, talked to a woman, and uh, they started having this conversation about water. She asks about uh, uh, this water. And uh, verse 15, we pick up. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you, are, you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Uh, just stop right there. And I want to emphasize what the woman said in verse 17. Uh, I have no husband. Now this uh, is the story that she fabricated to cover her mess. It was the leaves that she used to hide behind. She said, I have no husband. She looked at the mess that she had been through in her life and she decided that this is so ugly. This is so embarrassing. This is so unlike me and it's not becoming that if people really knew about this, it would become complicated. 
So I will cover this up with a story. And the story is called, I Have No Husband. So she became Miss, former Mrs., 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 I Have No Husband. So the conversation is between Jesus and the woman and the story. The story which says, I have no husband. I get them? Uh, it's three. And, you know, two is company, but three... You haven't heard that before? Two is company. Three is a crowd. Come on, people. Eh? Two is company. Three is a crowd. So Jesus wants one-to-one -one with this woman. And she keeps, he keeps bumping into this, this I have no husband story. Um, and uh, what I uh, uh, am making the case for is that it's not just the woman who has a I have no husband story. Uh, many of us, if we were honest, probably all of us, maybe every single one of us under the sound of my voice in one way or another has a story of I have no husband. Now, I have no husband is a story that we fabricated and we made up. It's not necessarily true, but it is true for me. And it is true for the persona that I want everyone to perceive me by. Image is important. Image is sold and it can be bought. And you can go a long road with I have no husband. It can take care of you like an like a evil stepmother. Uh, sometimes it can get you paid. I have no husband. It's been good to you, but not that good because it's built on a lie. It's built on a half-truth. And it won't work in bringing you the joy and the satisfaction that comes from living water. So Jesus is on a mission. He's trying to get rid of the, the I have no husband story. Because the I have no husband story becomes very complicated in our relationship with Jesus. But not only with our relationship with Jesus, it becomes complicated with our relationship with everybody. Yeah. And so uh, may the Lord help us today to address the issue and uh, be real in his presence. Uh, uh, free of every story that would inhibit his, his visitation in our lives. Amen. Now, uh, the, the, the thing about it is when, when we have this, uh, this story, it, it, it's a little bit deceptive because it's not surface level. It, everyone looks okay. We look professional. But um, uh, let me put it this way. Y I could preach the most amazing message that I have ever preached, like I'm doing right now. Hmm? And, and, and uh, if you have a I have no husband in your pocket, you will leave not with the amazingness of the message, you will leave with the I have no husband story. And what I have no husband story has told to you. Uh, the story serves as a filter. It serves as a gatekeeper. It, it filters everything that comes to make sure uh, whether or not this is acceptable or not based on the image that we have been working so hard to protect. Uh, it will cause you to miss the truth or grab only what's convenient for you and run with it. Mm. So, so, so we will all leave here today with either the truth or my version of truth. What I have no husband has told me. Mm. So today we get rid of I have no husband so that we can live with truth. Jesus put it this way. Let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. Everybody is hearing, but they're not really hearing because there's another preacher competing with the preacher. The name of the second preacher is called I have no husband. And today, 
Eh? We do like a bimbi. We get rid of, I have no, no husband. Isaiah put it this, this way. These people have ears, but they do not hear. They have eyes, but they do not perceive. Their hearts have become calloused. That's what I have no husband does. It causes you to become callous. So in a, it's only a matter of time before relationship starts to get affected. It's only a matter of time. I've seen this a lot of times. People are so excited to get married. Can't wait to get married to get over that line and everything will be fine. But if we have not taken care of I have no husband first, we might be in for some surprises after you get married. Yeah. In Jesus' name, Lord help us. Uh, uh, and that's exactly what the woman did. She went through five because I have no husband is, is driving the car. I have no a husband. It has lied to us. It has cheated us. It has robbed us of the life of God. It has caused us to be confident in something that we should have never put our confidence in. Because it cannot sustain. It cannot carry them. We even have this in the church. There is a form of church that is a form of everything that looks good. But it is a, I have no husband. Ministry itself can become a, I have no husband. Because you draw identity from what you have done and what you have accomplished in his name. God can make you look very good. Mm. And what God has done for you can become, I have no husband for you. May the Lord deliver each and every one of us now from the story which has prevented us from enjoying the full life of God. Because God, he, he, he knows us and he knows the story and he still wants us. And he's trying to navigate his way he sees right through and he's trying to navigate his way to get to, get to us. Uh, and so may the Lord find a penetration today in Jesus' name. May the Lord find a breakthrough today in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, the story, there's a story of King, King, King uh, uh, Jeroboam, the first king of Israel, the northern kingdom. And when his son got sick, yeah, he got very scared and he sent his wife to the prophet and said, disguise yourself and go to the prophet because I don't want anyone to know that the king's wife has gone, the queen has gone. So she disguised herself and she went to the prophet. And before she even came, the prophet says, I know who you are. You are Jeroboam's wife. Why are you trying to disguise yourself? Because you can fool people, but you can't fool God. Gehazi, he went and he did some dirt. Uh, asked for, uh, uh, he did a, a little trick to get more money in his pocket from the man that was here. Do you remember that story? Naaman was healed of a disease. And then he said, let me pay you, the prophet uh, Elijah. And the prophet said, I'm not going to take uh, anything. No, Elisha, I'm not going to take anything. You go your way. And Gehazi was servant, was so upset that he didn't take money. So he went and made up a story and took the money. And then he came back and stood in the presence of God. And the prophet says, Gehazi, where were you? Oh, I was just, I, and you can cheat, cheat people. You can fool people, but you can't fool God. He said, the leprosy that Naaman was healed from will now stick to you and your descendants forever because you can fool people, but you can't fool God. So we're looking, God is looking for something authentic, something real, something heart to heart. Amen. Because the object of his affection is, is you. And he's almost like a jealous husband uh, trying to get the attention of his wife. 
that's how he even describes himself, you know, as, as the jealous husband. So, so uh, we're, we're in the process of creating something that gets rid of this, I have no husband. And something that will create an atmosphere when God can meet his people. We're introducing some new programs and uh, I'm kind of excited about it. But before I tell you about the programs, let me tell you what God showed me this week. Uh, we were worshiping at uh, worship night on Friday here and God was moving and the Lord started showing me things. And Musa asked me, um, do you have anything? And there was something, but it was cooking. And I said, it's cooking. Not, let me finish cooking and I let it cook yesterday marinating you know come on somebody and I think I got something today eh? it depends if I'm speaking to you or if I'm speaking to I have no husband because I have no husband won't like this message I promise you hmm? uh, what God I saw like the picture of a, a, a wedding hall like a church, and then you know, have the aisle that goes with the white carpet thing that they spread out. We don't know what it's called, like a, a something. There's a name for it. a runner, runner, and uh, everything was set. Come on, somebody, somebody getting married, and uh, but in the picture that I saw, uh, the hall was empty. The there was no bride, there was no groom, but everything was was just almost almost ready. Not a single person in the hall, but the runner was was there. And I was, I was asking the Lord, you know, what is this? What is this? And um, then I began to put the pieces together. Uh, yesterday, marinating. And, uh, you know, the Bible describes Jesus as the bridegroom and the church as the bride. We're not ready yet, but we're in preparation. And we're getting ready for the bridegroom, for the glorious union. And, you know, the thing that makes a, a, a wedding so beautiful, it's, it's, it, it, and why people come to a wedding, it's not because of the, the decorations. It's not because of the beautiful dress. It's not because of the, the, the makeup. Everybody looks beautiful uh, in, in, on their wedding day. I'd be counseling people, and then when they come to get married, they look completely different. So what happened to you? It's my wedding day. Eh? When I got married, I actually had a, 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 a manicure for the first time in my life because it's wedding day. Hmm? Go ahead, just. Hmm. Is that too much information? <laughs> yeah, because it's your wedding day, you get ready for that. Uh, but but the thing that makes weddings so powerful, it's not everyone. The thing that draws all of the people and all of the excitement, it's the commitment of two people to each other. It's not everything else is extra. Everything else is the supporting cast. The main event is that somebody loves somebody and they're coming together and we are here to celebrate that. And, and, and if there is, I have no husband coming down the aisle to his company, Three is a crowd. I have married hundreds of people in my, you know, you know how in, in football players, when they play for a national team, they get caps. In ministry, it's weddings. I have 250 something caps. Some of you are in here, you, you, you know I'm doing a good job. You're still married today. It's because of these hands. Huh? Jesus. Some of you are next in line. I'm praying for some of you. And I got some of you already with some of you, but you don't know it yet. I see things. It's a very powerful position to hold. Yes. Um, but all the, the caps that I have, 
I have never married three people. Yeah? Because two is company, three is a crowd. The thing that makes is beautiful. In fact, the Song of Solomon's, I am my beloved's and he is mine. Uh, Jesus said in John 15, I in you and you in me. Two is company, three is a crowd. And what we've been doing is crowding our marriage to the Lamb with other narratives, pseudo-narratives, good-looking narratives, successful narratives, but God is a little bit jealous today, and he's wanting his, like Paul said, I, I am jealous for you as a jealous husband to prepare you as a pure bride uh, for your husband. Uh, are you following what I'm saying? So I just sense this is more than a message. This is something that God really wants us to rise up into because it's, it's, it's his ultimate desire to be with his people. And so we're starting a program in two weeks. I think it will start a week from this Thursday. And as you all know, we have the Lord's Supper every month at the first of the month. So the days leading up to that, we're going to have a program where we just drop everything and seek the Lord together. Hmm? It's not to pray for the nation. It's not to pray for Africa. It's not to pray for our issues. We all have issues. We all need prayer. And God knows. God knows. And God sees. But, but what God is, is, is really after is us, slash me. And so the name of this uh, program, uh, are you ready for the name? We came up this with our pastoral team. I'm so proud of what we came up with. Are you ready? The name of the program is called Adam, Where Are You? So it, it, there might be some preaching, but it's not about preaching. There might be some worship, but it's not about worship. It might be intercession, but it's not about intercession. It's just about being with him. I, I, I think this is the reason why he, 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 he provided all the sacrifice of his son, so that we could be with him. Everybody say, Adam. That's Amharic for, where are you? Um, in ministry... Uh, they, they say that the reward for good work is more work. And in ministry, the reward for a good ministry is more ministry. And you can find yourself in so much ministry doing the work of God where you, in the midst of the ministry, you miss the God of the work. And uh, I, I've been even sensing the Lord pu pushing us just to stop things and change the program and make room in, a, in an unusual way. So that he can visit us in an unusual way. That he could speak to us in an unusual way. But, you know, most of the time, we, when we call prayer or prayer and fasting, um, it's many times the people who have a great need that come first. And the good thing about having a problem, uh, Andre Crouch said, if I never had a problem, I would never know that God could solve it. Right? So that's the good thing about a problem. It, the, the problem makes you seek God like you would not seek God when you didn't have a problem. Can I get an amen? I know that's my testimony. But how about just seeking God just because he's God? Whether we have a need or not, just because he's Father. Just because I want to be with you. And, and, and we're going to experiment with this. We're going to do this for uh, the two weeks. Just to see what happens. Just to see, you know, if... if, if, if hmm. Because it was God, when God said, Adam, where are you? Let's pay attention to the language. Look at the heart of God. He, he's, he's missing somebody. 
He's hungering for some, something is missing. Between all of our ministry activities and prayer requests and, and obligations to ministry, could it be that we have missed the very reason why we are in this game to begin with? Yeah. Um, I was telling the pastoral team the other day, you know, uh, God gave Moses a design and, and he called it the tabernacle. And the tab word tabernacle means dwelling place. God wanted to dwell with his people. He designed it. Man didn't design it. He designed it and he also established where uh, his dwelling place would be. Do you know where it was? He designed the dwelling place of God and he also designed all of the, the, the Levites all symmetrically, diametrically, physically and geophysically approximately exactly in such a way that the tabernacle was in the middle. Then he arranged all of the 12 tribes of Israel to be exactly diametrically perfectly aligned with the tabernacle in the middle. Meaning that God wanted his dwelling to place to be in the middle. Uh, but Jesus wanted to be his design, not our design. His design, not our design. He wanted to be in the center. Yeah? So, so, that, so that for no other reason than just for being with his people. When the children of Israel sinned in the book of Ezekiel, he said, I will punish you and this will happen. But then I will restore you, bring you back. And then I will be your, you will be my people and I will be your God. That's all, that's all he wanted. He, he just wanted to be right there in, in the middle. Yeah. This is the title of my message, by the way, this morning. Just, just this. He created, he's the source of fellowship. If you have good fellowship, if you have love for anybody, the, that is a picture in any form, any kind of affection. It's a picture of what God desires of us. I remember I went to, when my oldest daughter was in college in the U.S., I flew all the way to uh, America just to be with her. And I was so excited to get there. I think I was the most excited person on the plane. She had, doesn't have a place to stay. She's a dorm room, you know, I have to find my own place. But just that excitement of, yeah, that, that was a picture of, of, he just wants to be. And I, I wanted to bless her. I wanted to take her out to eat. I wanted to, come on somebody, I wanted to take her. What is it that you did not do? Mm -hmm. and, and we went, she went to school in Boston. May the Lord deliver that city of food, Boston seafood. What do you want to eat? Anything is on daddy. We went to, uh, they have this thing in shells. Uh, it's it shells and it tastes like raw chicken. Yeah? That's what she wanted. If you're happy, I'm happy. I just, just sitting there, not even saying anything. So everything is fulfilled in there. And it's so hard to leave. We didn't even say anything. I think we went to see the movie, the Wakanda movie. We went to see Wakanda. I, whatever. We could have watched anything. It's just a blessing. Come on, somebody. Yeah. It's something that you would never know. Because it's something that only me and her share. A lot has gone into this. And you can see the picture and say, oh, oh, but you don't know. You don't really know. This is daddy-daughter business, excuse me. 
Everything else, put it to the side. Everything revolving around it. Every kind of human intimacy is a picture in one way or another of the love that the Father has for us. How bad, how far, how great His love is for us. And we're running around doing work for Him. You know, it's kind of like calling us back to removing everything that gets in the way. Um, I was reminded of the story of uh, Uzzah, 2 Samuel chapter 6, where um, uh, the, the Philistines had captured the Ark of God. In, in the Old Testament, the Ark of God represented the presence of God. That's the only place in the world where the presence of God dwell. And um, God, it's a long story, 2 Kings chapter 6, you can read it later, but the, the ark starts coming back to Israel. They put it on an ox cart and had oxen carry the, the ark back. And, and the oxen are all by themselves going back to Israel. And when Israel sees the ark of God coming back, they celebrate. Because God, that, that was the presence of God for them. And it was on the ox cart. And there was a man named Uzzah who was also celebrating with everybody. But he saw the ox cart stumble. And he reached out his hand to stable the ark. And God saw what he had done and he struck him right there and he died. And David was so mad at God because, you know, he killed Uzzah right here. And he called the place Perez Uzzah and they moved the ark of God somewhere else. Now, uh, it seems mean, but it, the way... God has set things up. It's, uh, what Uzzah did, it invited punishment on himself. Because the ark of God is holy. You see? And man is not. And holy and unholy cannot, cannot, they're not compatible. There is no way that Uzzah can go and just grab, or any man can. In fact, God had established a very specific protocol of how to approach the holy things. Because God is holy and man is not. And so Uzzah, in just reaching out... He broke the protocol and the punishment was in the disobedience itself. Because man cannot approach God like that. As much as God wants to dwell with God, man wants to do, God wants to dwell with man, he cannot break his principle to do that fellowship. And if Uzzah comes close outside of the established protocol, Uzzah has to die. And not only Uzzah, every one of us has to die if we want to get into the presence of God. Moses said, let me see your glory. He says, I can't show you my glory. Well, I could, but I would have to kill you. That's what he said, literally. Because no man can see God's glory and live. All right? But that's not God's heart. His heart from Genesis was, Adam, where are you? Yeah? So what did God do? 2 Samuel chapter 14, verse 14. One of my favorite verses. It says, like water spilled on the ground, so we must all die. But God did not desire that any man should die. But he devised a ways for a banished person not to remain banished from him anymore. He devised a ways. He prepared a means. And that means came in the form of Jesus Christ. So the Bible says that because one man died, all men died through that one man who died. Meaning that Jesus took upon himself the punishment of Uzzah for all of us so that the 
proximity that he took, he, he, he came into with the ark of, of God, with the presence of God. That presence has now been uh, made available for each and every one of us. That when Jesus hung on the cross and breathed his last, the temple veil tore in two from top to bottom. Meaning that access what Uzzah could not touch, we now can touch. Why do we go in and touch that presence? Why do we get into that glory? It's for no other reason than just... I, I know you're all waiting for the word or wait for the revelation. This is it right here. Yeah? This is the title of my message today. I in you and you in me. Hallelujah. Uh, many of us make the mistakes that we struggle. When we think of God, we think of the rules. And what we need to do and what not need to do. And, and we get immediately into this warfare in our own minds to make sure that we have, we, have, uh, we have ticked all the boxes so that we can come to church. But I, I just want to suggest to you that that is so far from the heart of God. God did not say, Adam, what have you done? He said, Adam, where are you? It is you that I have missed because it is you that I want Hallelujah. And how bad does he want us? The sacrifice of Jesus that much is how much he wants to get with us. It's not a picture of the contract that was, that was uh, uh, engaged. You know, God was not engaged with contractual, contractual work when he sent Jesus to the cross. But rather the Bible says that it was a demonstration of the love of God. And it was a love that was displayed while we were yet sinners. So this has nothing to do with our performance and has everything to do with us. Which is why I have a husband, I have no husband become such a problem. So God does not want perfection from us today. But he wants transparency. He wants complete nakedness, complete vulnerability. I in you and you in me. Uh, anything less is doing the cross of Jesus Christ disservice. Praise the Lord. I think one of the reasons why David was so prominent in God's heart. God loved David. Maybe more than a lot of people. Um, I know I'm up in there somewhere. I mean, the, I, I know the, com the competition, competition is stiff with me and David. Something like that. But uh, I, I think... You, you come to understand more of why God liked David so much. He called David a man after my own heart. And I think the reason why he liked David so much is because in David, God found someone who wanted to be with God as much as God wanted to be with him. So I'm not preaching a message. I'm trying to massage something in there. Uh, let every false narrative die and let's just just find his presence let's find a place for for that that fellowship um and uh, so so i have uh, uh just an invitation to everybody to to join us at uh, adam where are you it is going to be our church's response to god's cry from the garden hmm? where we say here i am and we're not coming here to do evangelism. We're not coming here to do discipleship. 
come on, we're not here to do family ministry, uh, outreach ministry. We'll get to all that. Eyes watch you. The truth is, is if we can land the plane in his presence, just watch what he will do in and through through us. Yeah. The, the ministry that does not come uh, from him, it becomes a burden and it doesn't bear fruit. But the ministry that comes from him and from his timing and from intimacy with him, without us doing anything, it multiplies significantly. I think one of the things I discovered over the course of ministry is, is I've noticed we do a lot of things and a lot of projects. And there's some things that we have a great plan, okay? And we execute and we work hard and all of, all of, the, all of the, the spreadsheets and the, the graphs and the projections are perfect. But it tanks. It doesn't, it doesn't take off, you know? And we've worked so hard. And then there's some other things we just do as an afterthought. Yeah? We, just, we didn't even mean to do it. And it just ex explodes. And, and many people get, get blessed by accident. And I think that there's a, a difference between the ministry that, um, that we do for God versus the ministry that comes from God or that God does through us. And that begins in his, in his presence. So this is just a call not to come with your prayer requests, not to come with your uh, mother-in-law that you want to get saved, eh, not to come with your crazy boss at work and driving me crazy. Uh, welcome to the world. God knows. <laughs> God knows about your situation more than you do. And let's not build our relationship with God based off those things. But just come to be with him. Just, just let's see what happens if we just shut the program and just allow him to get with us and us with him by his spirit. And, and let's see if uh, he won't do something special. I believe it's God who's calling us still from the garden. Adam, where are you? And, and we've become like a Martha running around doing things for him. And, and Jesus got mad at Martha. He said, Martha, you've missed it. You are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mar Mary has chosen what is best. And it will not be taken from her. What did Mary do? Nothing. It, it feels awkward, doesn't it? But um, I, I think uh, whatever gifts and grace that God has given me, I think to push people to a place like this means I've done my job. You know? It's not to say this is a great preacher. He is a great preacher, by the way. Yeah, he is a... He's a church. But, but the gift, it's, it's I think, to, to bridge something that God is desiring. And uh, I think if we can find that place, He can take it from there. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So uh, we'll be uh, posting on our Telegram group all of the schedules, and and uh, we're we're trying to see. We're, we're actually we're just we've 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 put a small program together, and we're just going to test it this month to see what it looks like. And uh, the next month we'll then tweak it. I think it's something that's doable. We've been talking with our. Our teams and everybody has given us a, a thumbs up, so we're going to see God. Now, some of you, um, you've already sought God before. You know the Lord. You know the presence. You have history with the Lord. Um, and I would just like all of us, who, 
even those of us and myself included who have history uh, with the Lord, let's prepare for something beyond our experience. Um, one of the greatest hindrances to what God does is our experience. I believe, who was it that said um, the greatest uh, hindrance to a move of, of a fresh move of God is the last move of God <laughs> because we expect him like we did last time. Um, no, he, he wants to get with us really, really badly. More than you, as bad as the cross, right? So we'll make some room for that and we'll see what happens. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you so much. You know, Paul prayed for the church and I think it's an appropriate prayer that that we together with God's people would come to know the the width and the depth and the height, the breadth of the love of God. The love of God which surpasses knowledge. Our, our, our problem is our knowledge. Uh, Father God, just may you use this season to put a mark, not to impress us, but to change us. Um, so I just pray you would put your hand on where are you Adam uh, may we respond and may we find you here like we have not found you before you take limitations off what you can do um, yeah may whatever was attractive in the heart of David to you may it be found in each one of us um we're not perfect, but uh, yeah, we want you, Father. Uh, we want you desperately. And if there's anything that would suggest that we don't want you, it's because we don't know this love yet. So Holy Spirit, just shed abroad in the hearts of your people, fresh. Not our doctrinal statement, but the love. Um, our, our, I pray that every I have no husband story would die in your presence even now. It's been the cause of so much damage. It's been the cause of so much relational and collateral damage. Bring us back to our first love, Father God. Everything we need is in that love. We just did not know it yet. So I would invite you just to reveal yourself to us in a special way. I want to pray for your story. I want to come against that story. Hallelujah. So just put your hand on your heart right now. Yeah. Father God, you said it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your spirit. More than what I shared, you know where your people are at. Life demands of us a story, and many of us have been create, very creative. And our conclusion is, I have no husband, when the truth is we have so much mess hiding behind that story. So Father God, let the, let the hypocrisy die today. Holy Spirit, take out the heart of stone. Give us a heart of flesh right now. 
Holy Spirit, do the work that only you can do. Be released in this place to touch hearts, to touch lives. We have been the only victim of our story, no one else. No more pretension, Father God. We're dealing with Almighty God who sees and knows all things. I come against every guilt and shame that the enemy keeps toying with us. Let it die right now in Jesus' name. The devil is a liar. We change the narrative right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Praise the Lord.